If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, found on page 1194. 1194. Hebrews 10, we're going to start at verse 5. Hebrews 10, starting at verse 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have, not, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Our son Noah has a hard time going to sleep by himself. Arl and I have tried to reason with him that he can fall asleep by himself. He really doesn't need us there. But for some reason, that seems to fall on deaf ears. Even though we assure him that we love him, that we aren't going anywhere, it's still not enough. We'll even tell him, you lay here, and and if you need us, just cry out, and, and we'll come running. But even that doesn't work. We tell him, well, Jesus is right here with you. That doesn't seem to make any difference to him either. What's the only thing that, seems to, that, that he seems to want? What do you think? Obviously, he wants mom or dad in the room with him, either sitting in a chair or sitting on his bed. And, and nothing else really matters. Oh, I know one day he'll get over that, but I mean, that's just where he's at right now. He wants a warm body. He wants someone there with him. Really, isn't that what Jesus did for us? He didn't just tell us with words that he loved us, but he showed it to us by actually coming to this world and being born as that little baby in a manger. And so the first thing I want to say about our our passage, our our text this morning, is found in the middle of verse 5. Jesus came to the earth in order to take a body his father had prepared for him. To take a body that his father had prepared for him. We call this the incarnation. And we can talk about that so matter-of-factly. Oh, Jesus came down and he was born as a baby in, in the manger. But sometimes I think we just have to pause and marvel at that. That Jesus actually did this. Imagine for a moment what it was like before the creation of the world when only the God had existed. Before there was time, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they existed in in perfect harmony in heaven. Jesus, the Word of God, He spoke creation into life. He said, let there be light, and there was. And He created all things that we see and Even all the things that we've yet to see. He created everything. 
with the very power of God. As for heaven itself, you can only imagine what it's going to be like one day when we get to see it with our own eyes. Imagine what the throne room of God looks like. You know, Revelation actually says that the throne room of God is filled with the train of God's robe. Figurative language there, but His glory, His presence, it just fills heaven. And one day we're going to be able to see that with our eyes. His glory and His majesty, it's, it's beyond comprehension. Think of the joy that fills the angels who are in God's presence. Think of our joy when one day we stand before the throne of God and everything is made perfect. And we experience His perfect love for us. What a day of rejoicing that will be. The holiness, perfection, the beauty of God, it's, it really is beyond description. Despite all this, Scripture teaches us that Jesus left all this. He emptied himself. He left the wonder and perfection of heaven and made himself nothing. What a shock it must have been to leave the glories of heaven and to suddenly be thrust inside a little baby's body into Mary's womb. To leave the glories of heaven where the angels obeyed your every command to suddenly give that up in order to be here on earth with us. Jesus went from being all-powerful and all-omniscient to having to depend on an umbilical cord for survival. The God of glory, he shared his first bed with oxen and cattle. The one who placed each star in the sky, he became a helpless baby who actually needed his diapers changed, who needed Mary to feed him or he would have died. He went from a place of glory and honor to a place of humility. Why was Jesus willing to go through all this? And our text tells us. He was willing to become both God and man in obedience to his Father. In obedience to his Father. You know, normally a baby doesn't have a choice on who his parents are going to be. Doesn't have a, a choice on whether he's going to live in the UP or down in Florida. He doesn't have a choice on whether he's going to be born to a house that is rich or to a house that is poor. But Jesus did. He willingly submitted to God's plan for him to be raised by Mary and Joseph, to be born in a manger, in a, in a cattle stall of all places. Scripture tells us that he was willing to leave the glories of heaven, leave it all behind him for a time, so that he could take on flesh and blood, so that he could be our Savior. Why was Jesus willing to do all this? Again, in obedience to his Father and out of his love for you and me. What an amazing gift we've been given. Jesus knew exactly who he was and why he had come. In verse 7 he says, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. You may not know this, but this passage, um, verses 5 through 7, it's actually found in, in Psalm 40. 
And in Psalm 40, there's just a little bit different wording here. And, and this is what Jesus is said to have um, actually said. Jesus delighted to do the will of his Father. He delighted to do the will of his Father. That was what was foretold about him. Not that he delighted to die. We know that that was agony. He struggled with that. But he delighted to do God's will. I don't know why, but we often lose a sense of why Jesus came when we're telling the Christmas story. It's so easy to be focused on that little baby in the manger, and you know we're used to pictures of a manger that just glows. It looks better than the Holiday Inn. It's roomy, it, it looks clean, there's little rainbow air fresheners all over the place, and it's just kind of place you want to be. Is that really how it was? No. It was, it was tax time, and so that, that stable would have been full of animals. And if you've ever been into, in a barn or a stable, you know what that can be like. It can smell, there's manure everywhere, there's flies. Not what first parents, it's not where they would want to deliver their, their first child. But this was God's will. Again, Jesus was willing to allow God to squeeze him into a human body because only he could accomplish what he was sent to do. Only he could be the Savior of the world. And what was God's will for Jesus? That he be born so that he could die. That's why he came. That's why he was born. So that he could die. And that's my second point. I know when my kids were little, they sometimes knew what needed to be done, but they didn't physically have the the ability to actually do it. I remember one time when we were in New Mexico, I was going to make a garden. And I, I chose a spot. I, I put some, um, got some black dirt up from the mountains because where we were at it was real sandy and put a fence around it. And, and so then I, I had to go to town for something. When I came back, my, my oldest son, who was probably seven or eight at the time, he decided to help me dig up the ground so we could have a garden. But he wasn't really physically able to do that. And so what he did was he, he dug nine or ten holes, pretty good holes, but then he just spread the dirt all around. And it kind of looked like a garden, but it wasn't really yet. It still needed to be dug up, and I, I appreciated it. But that wasn't the case with Jesus. He came into the world with one great purpose in mind, and that was to provide salvation for the human race. race. Why was Jesus the only one who could do this? Because he was both God and man. 100% God, 100% man. Listen to what he says about his father. Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire. And then in verse 5, in burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Does this seem strange to you at all? I mean, whose idea was sacrifices in the first place? It was God's, right? He's the one who set it all up. He's the one who told them exactly how they should perform that sacrifice, when they should perform it. They even told the priest exactly 
how to go about it. And the high priest on the, on the Day of Atonement, how they were supposed to do it. And, and there's a lot of rules on what they could and they couldn't do. Even the way the temple was set up. I mean, detail after detail after detail. And so it was God's idea that, we, that the people offer these sacrifices. And so you have to wonder, why was it not pleasing to God if it was his idea? Why do these sacrifices done as God commanded, why does it earn God's wrath and displeasure? Well, I think the key to understanding it is found in verse 8. Jesus said, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. Because, verse 8 says, they were offered according to the law. That's the key. They were offered according to the law. I think the point Jesus is making here is that the law was never meant to save the people, but it was meant to point out something else, to remind them that they needed a Savior. Verse 1 of chapter 10, it talks about it was a shadow. The law was a shadow. It wasn't the real thing, but it pointed to something else, to the shadow of Jesus. And you can see his shadow throughout the entire Old Testament. But one day, we saw the light. And that's what we were talking about before. At the beginning of our service, the light at last came. The light of Christ. It reminded the people that while these sacrifices they had to perform while it, it, it temporarily took their sins away, but yet it really didn't. It just pointed their eyes forward to the day when Christ would come. It held off God's wrath. It held off God's judgment until people could see the Savior, until the Messiah at last came. Those animal sacrifices, though, they were important because it taught the people that innocent blood had to be shed in order to take away our sins. Innocent blood had to be shed. And again, while we know it wasn't lasting, yet it did communicate to the people, it was to teach the people that one day someone would come who could do this who could take their, their, their sins away for good, forever. But the only way that could happen is if the people asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, to come into their hearts. That's what John reminded the people. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He saw Jesus one day when Jesus was going to be baptized. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All those years they had been practicing this. And it should have connected in the people's minds. This is the Lamb of God. This is what we've been waiting for. The reason Jesus could do this is again, only God had the ability to satisfy His own wrath. Only God had that ability But since sin is our problem, we needed a representative who was human 
And that's why Jesus had to become both God and man. And as God, He lived a perfect life. And as God, He rose again from the dead in the strength and the power of God. And the sacrifice that, that, that He offered, it meant that no other sacrifice would ever have to be made again. Thankfully, the baby in the manger, he accomplished his mission. And so through Jesus, you have been made holy. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees only the righteousness of his son, Jesus. One day when you stand before him, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. If you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's going to welcome you home. Not because you deserve it. Because we don't, none of us do. It's a gift from God that we receive through Jesus, through his righteousness. Back in the early 1800s, there was a young man who was a soldier in the Russian army. Because the young man's father was a friend of Tsar Nicholas I, the young man had been given a very responsible post. He was paymaster for one of the barracks for the soldiers. And it was his responsibility to keep track of the money and to make sure that the soldiers were paid. The young soldier, he meant well, but he was really too young, too immature for that post. And in in due time, he started to gamble. First he gambled his money, and then he started to gamble the money of the government. And he lost a lot of it. One day, the young man received notice from a representative of the czar that someone was going to come and check the books. And he started to get worried. And so he pulled the books out and he started to look at them and he saw what he needed to pay. And he looked in the safe and he saw that there wasn't nearly enough money. In fact, there was hardly any left. Because again, he had gambled it away. And as he looked at the two, at the books and at the little pile of money sitting there on his desk, he came to the realization that he could never pay it. He could work the rest of his life and never pay off the amount of money that he owed. He was ruined. Not only did he ruin himself, but he ruined his family's good name by his actions, by what he did. At last, the young man decided to take his life. He pulled out his revolver and he set it on his desk. At the stroke of midnight, he was going to He was going to commit suicide. But before he did that, he he totaled up everything that he owed and he wrote the amount down. At the very bottom of the ledger, he wrote these words, a great debt, who can pay? A great debt, who can pay? Because it was still an hour or two before midnight, he fell asleep. Well, during that time, Tsar Nicholas which was his um, custom, would walk among the barracks, visit his soldiers, and he saw one light on in one of the barracks, and so he went into this, this clerk's office, and he saw the ledger, he saw what the young man had written, and he saw the revolver. And his first impulse was to arrest the man for what he had done. But then suddenly he had a, A moment of grace, big-heartedness, whatever you want to call it. 
And so at the very bottom of the ledger, he just wrote one word down, and he left. The young man woke up just a little while later. He saw that it was actually after midnight, and so he picked up the revolver, but before he pulled the trigger, he looked at that ledger again, and he saw that somebody had written something at the bottom. And underneath those words, a great debt, who can pay? Tsar Nicholas had written his name. He could pay. And the next morning, he did send the money that this young clerk needed to pay his soldiers. The clerk, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe that this, that, that this man would do that for him, especially because he really didn't know him that well. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? We also owe a debt. And we also can put those words down. Who can pay? Who can possibly pay the debt that we owe? And Jesus says, I can. And he wrote his name down with blood. And he died on the cross for our sins. Only Jesus could pay the penalty that we owe. And that's what he did. Jesus became man, born in the manger with one mission. Just one mission. He had to take on flesh. He had to be born of a virgin so that he could fulfill God's will and save us. He fulfilled his mission by dying for you and I and and by making us holy. He accomplished all that on the cross. Again, Jesus was born in order that he could die. What an amazing gift we've been given at Christmas. I love the way the one Christmas song puts that truth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts on human hearts the blessing of the heaven, of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. What good news. For Christmas, but also for our new year. I pray you will never grow tired of hearing that story about the baby who came to die. The baby who died and eventually became the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is the legacy that we've been given. This is the life we've been given. What will you do with it? As we're about to enter this new year, don't hold it and keep it just to yourself, but I hope you freely give it away to others. Tell others the good news about Jesus and his wondrous gift of love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for being born as that little baby in the manger who eventually went to the cross. Father, we just pray that that same love might be evident in our lives, first in the way we love you, but also in the way we love those around us in the way we love the world. Father, just as you were willing to sacrifice yourself for us, 
May we also be willing to sacrifice ourselves for the lost around us. Open our eyes. Lord, help us to see the needy, the lost, the hungry, the homeless, the broken. And may we love them enough to show them the love of Jesus. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing joy to the world.